0: Welcome to What Is It About The Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our everyday lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to be talking about if weather makes you sick. But before we jump into the main topic, I want to touch base on a couple of things. got some questions related to the Patreon after the post last week about the podcast coming out of hiatus, and in theory... Patreon has not kicked back in yet, but Patreon's been a little quirky the last couple of weeks. Like most of us, I'm sure they're dealing with some staffing challenges, and maybe something's going on. For As an example, today's May 1st. I haven't seen my billing for the people I normally support on Patreon, and also, conceptually, I still had Patreon turned off for my patrons. That said, stranger things have happened, and I went in today was I was just looking at some settings and checking all that because I hadn't seen any notifications either way and noticed I, you know, do a little intro podcast and tell people I'm getting back to podcasting. I have a couple new people supporting the podcast and that is greatly appreciated. But I will say, like I said, I, I think in theory, none of, none of the billing is going to start until June. Um, I need some time to, you know, warm back up, work out the quirks and change the settings a little bit on how I'm doing this time of day because, you know, you'll probably hear there might even be some construction noise coming through. So as I work out my getting back into, I guess, my podcasting flow, I'm not going to make everyone suffer and pay for that necessarily. But the plan is to get the podcast back into hopefully being able to support itself through a little bit of revenue that comes in. And for those that, again, that started pledging this past week, thank you. Um, uh, really unexpected. Appreciated, but unexpected. So, you probably won't hear me talk about Patreon too much over the next couple episodes, but you know, later in the month of May, I'll probably start mentioning it again as a way to support the podcast. The other thing I wanted to bring up and someone asked me about was Twitch. When I was doing this podcast before, generally didn't do it live, and YouTube was the only place that you could really get any what I would call video content. Although for the most part, if you were getting the podcast episodes, it was just a blank, you know, it might have an image or something uh, to kind of mix things up a little bit. I will still post things to YouTube. YouTube is still a good outlet, but its capability of doing live, I don't like as much as Twitch. Those who are unfamiliar with Twitch, just generally speaking, uh, it's a platform that was born out of Gamers having a space to you know do their feeds online. But a lot more podcasting channels and podcasters that I know and am familiar with have made the move to Twitch and have been fairly happy with it. I've done some test things there over the last year and a half. And so it's likely the platform that I'll use. Next episode or two, I'll, I'll put out details of where that channel is going to be. Like I said, I don't think I'll start doing live content at all, at least related to this podcast, probably until summertime, but we'll see how that goes. Any case, a couple of admin things there. Now let's get right into our main topic. Now, everybody's world has changed, right? Your world's changed. My world's changed. We're all dealing with COVID-19, and if you're not, congratulations. That's an amazing thing, and I wish you well wherever you are if you're able to say, it's had no impact on my life. I know for the vast majority of my audience, some of them, if not all of them, have had to, in recent months, deal with some sort of lockdown or shelter-in-place order. Now, my situation's a little unique, and that's why this topic has come up again again and again for me in conversations with people, is over the last few months, I have transitioned from being primarily in Atlanta, Georgia, to being just outside of New York City. Now that's also meant that I've had to deal with spring fever twice from the way people look at it. A lot of people that I've been talking to about this disease and the weather relationship started asking me those questions in February or March. That's my Georgia connection. Whereas people in the New York City area and further north have started asking me now that spring is uh, coming into full bloom, if you will. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about this relationship between disease and weather, and then we'll specifically talk about the COVID relationship. Now, weather and disease is not new to this podcast, right? One of the early Did Weather Change History episodes, wasn't the first one, I think the first one was D-Day, was related to weather and climate and the bubonic plague. So I think it was episode 12. Uh, I'll try to put a link in the show notes. But if you go look at the archive page, I think episode 12 was the one. So if you're interested in kind of this topic, that could be an early episode. But I've mentioned it over the time, you know, in various episodes, because we go through this thing. right? We go through this relationship of disease, and primarily it has to do with winter into spring. Hence all these questions I've been getting. Now... Why do we have this connection? Or is there really a connection? That, that's the question we're kind of talk about today a little bit. When you were a kid, did your parents ever say to you, don't go out in the rain, you'll catch a cold. Or bundle up before you go out, you don't want to get sick. Now, let's be clear. Weather in and of itself is not a disease agent carrying thing. Right? It, just because it rains, it doesn't mean that everybody is going to catch something. Now, you can talk about things like acid rain. And, you know, there are things that get into the air that I guess weather could deliver conceptually, but it's not like, you know, weather itself, Mother Nature magically says, aha, we're going to have the flu rain or the cold wind or the, you know, whatever it might be, the malaria river or whatever it is but but that said there has been a relationship and a correlation between different weather patterns and different types of diseases now you got to keep in mind right we have different ways that things get into our bodies some of them as an example might come through a third party like a mosquito or some other sort of biting insect and weather certainly can play a role there if you've got nice warm weather when mosquitoes are more active and it's been nice and rainy, and they've got some stagnant water, or they can do their little thing, make more mosquitoes, and they can go around and bite everything and share. They're so kind at sharing. That can be related to things like malaria or West Nile or, or those sort of diseases, right? So weather plays a role maybe in the background setting there. And it's the same with other things. There are certain things that come about through the water, like cholera, right? If it's really rainy and things get more wet around, kind of like with the mosquitoes, it may be easier to spread that disease. Even a few years ago, there was the Zika virus, and there is some belief that it was a reverse. It was actually the drought-like conditions that may have contributed. This one's a little trickier because it's not been as well studied. May have contributed to the spread of that virus and why it is was so successful in spreading for a period of time. But again, you don't hear much about it. Not saying it doesn't exist, but Zika kind of went off the radar screen. It, it generally ran its course, and we're not dealing with it in the same way. It doesn't mean it's gone forever. But today, right, so we see these things to do. it. We, we want to talk about COVID-19, and is there a relationship there? And the one we consistently want to go back to is we keep wanting to compare it to other respiratory illnesses like the flu. But that comparison's not just because it's a respiratory thing. It's because the symptoms can so often be similar, right? The fevers, the chills, the other ways in which these two diseases exhibit themselves in our bodies and those around us. Now, we've clearly found out some major differences. With the flu, It comes on pretty quickly, at least the symptoms do from the time you pick it up. And so people know you got the flu. With COVID-19, we're not so fortunate, right? We don't have that quick indicator that, hey, they're sick, right? So even more importantly, we might want to understand is whether going to play some role. Since this disease tends to hide itself a lot longer before showing symptoms, if it does at all for those that have it. We want to know is spring going to help because we're so used to this idea and this mentality it's the same with the cold season cold and flu season winter time right tends to be at its worst we tend to go through these things spring comes around everybody starts going outside we all are better everybody's happy but there's nothing worse than a summer cold right so we it's not like it goes away they still happen but it may not be with the frequency that we're used to during the winter time now the real question is why right so is it related to the weather right is that a weather thing or is it some other situation but the other thing to keep in mind and i'm going to just lay this as a as a backdrop is pandemics versus seasonal influenza or seasonal flu that we talk about are two kind of different things right so when you have these pandemic episodes and, and the flu itself has been responsible and I don't remember the exact number it's less than 10 but let's say it's like eight pandemic episodes over the last 250 years or so a very famous one in 1918 around the time of World War 1 actually i was reading a statistic that almost as many soldiers in the US that cuz the US wasn't a primary player in that war compared to other parts other countries around the globe but as many people were soldiers were lost to that pandemic disease as it was to active military fighting. It's kind of wild when you think about it. So those two things happen at the same time and actually, you know, probably played a role in how that that war played out. But these pandemics don't always come in that seasonal pattern. Matter of fact, if you look at the spread, there's a couple in the winter, there's a couple in the spring, there's a couple in the fall, there's a couple in the, you know, right in the middle of summer. And they tend to have the same sort of pattern. They tend to follow the same flow, which suggests that it's not weather-related. So let's get back to the flu for a moment. Let's get back to seasonal flu, one that we do think of that way. Right? What, what do we know? And why is the flu really seasonal? A couple theories behind that. One has always been the weather, right? Because there is some research out there. There is some research that shows if you make the air colder and drier, which we often tend to see in the wintertime, that little flu virus is much happier, lives a lot longer. Therefore, theoretically, if you're out there spreading it, you're going to spread it to more people. But the flip side of that is that the reason that the spread happens is because we're so much more confined to those indoor spaces when it's cold outside we don't want to be outside we're hanging out in bars we're hanging out at having parties inside not doing outside things that that air is getting full of that contagion and it's just spreading easier And there's a really good chance that that may be the primary thing. It's not well studied. And part of the reason this stuff is hard to study is it's hard to isolate those two independent factors, right? Is it weather or is it the environment in which the spread takes place? And some of the early research, right, related to COVID and potential things like temperature and humidity has had to do with studies where those elements were a factor, a certain temperature level, a certain humidity level, but... But it was done in the context of how do you clean safety equipment or how do you disinfect a hospital. And realistically, that's not necessarily ha- going to play out outside or even if it did. I mean, you think about you know one of the studies I saw talked about temperatures. and I'm going to use C today just so everybody has to put their brain on. One study was about 50 C, or another study was about 70 C. Well, you go do the translation if you're not used to thinking in in Celsius, and you realize what is the likelihood that you're going to see temperatures like that when you're out just doing your thing on a daily basis, okay? So just keep that in mind. But some early research, right? Everybody wants to get back to this mentality that flu is seasonal, And that's because of the weather. So even if you hold to that, even if you say, I think it's more the weather situation because I know that the virus does better in cold and dry. And that may be true. And and that may be true generally in in weather speaking as well, is that it's it's that way overall. So I'm going to go more with the weather side than I am with the confined spaces side. So early research was showing the patterns of COVID Right. And this is what the hope was. This is this is and I think we all want this, right? We all want this thing to go away like a seasonal flu. The patterns were showing that the way the disease was setting up early was in these same sort of latitudinal regions that would have a defined winter and a defined spring. So that as we came out of winter and a wind into spring, the seasonal influence would likely take hold. And so there was Big hopeful paper that went into that. And I'll put a link to that paper in the show notes. Interesting. It's well thought out. But here's the challenge with early research. Is the data wasn't complete and the data wasn't in. It's good to to have the data point. It's good to have gone through the steps. And it's useful information. But as the situation changes, you can't latch on to something when that situation has changed. You can't refer back to that and say, see, this is the right answer. When what we've also found out is... This thing went everywhere. This thing went to places that were in the middle of summer when it spread. So, it, you know, southern hemisphere or even, even in the low latitudes near the equator, all these places were getting hit. Moist places were getting hit. Warm places were getting hit. It wasn't just because it was cold in wintertime. So that hope for seasonality started to go out the door. Now, we've got this flip side. We talk about seasonal influenza and about how it, seems to go away in the spring but that doesn't explain back to those low latitudes or places near the equator those places still get the flu and they can still have quite a bit of it but for whatever reason the weather doesn't seem to diminish their chance so we we get back to this fundamental premise is is seasonal flu seasonal because of our behavior or is it really because of the weather sure Every virus, all those things I mentioned in the beginning, right? Whether it's, whether it's COVID or whether it's influenza, whether it's norovirus, whether it's, it doesn't matter, cholera or Zika or all these things, they all, every virus, everything that lives has what you would call a Goldilocks zone, right? Where we like it. Think about yourself. How warm do you like it? How cold do you like it? How wet or dry? We all have favorites or preferences, And what mine is may be actually different than somebody I'm married to or living with or family members. I mean, I grew up in a house where air conditioning was the norm and it was kept pretty cold. But as I got older, I was around people that tended to like it a little warmer. It took a long time for my body to make that adjustment. It did. So the questions we have to deal with are, does this disease change? or mutate as it gets in a lower latitude so that it's better equipped for that? Or does it still generally hold to that Goldilocks zone? And maybe either it's not as sensitive as we think it is, and just because it likes it a certain way, does that mean it's detrimental for it to be in these other environments? Right? And like I said, the, the research so far, and there was an interesting letter that was put forward. Let me let me pull it up here so that I'm referencing it again. Again, as always, I, I you know put these sort of things in the show notes. But it was something written by the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. And, and it was just kind of a summation, right? And I think, you know, basically leaders were looking for, give, give us some feedback, give us some input, is is this thing going to be seasonal, All right? And here were their findings, right? In summary, and this is, I'm quoting from the close of this paper. In summary, although experimental studies show relationship between higher temperatures and humidity levels and reduced survival of sars COVID-2, which is what COVID-19 is, in the lab, in the laboratory, there are many other factors besides environmental temperature, humidity, and survival of the virus outside of the host. That influence and determine transmission rates among humans in the real world. That influence and determine transmission rates among humans in the real world. And they put real world little quotes, right? So the short answer is, I'd love to think that this is going to be seasonal and it may still be seasonal in the fact that the way it ebbs and flows, but I'm not sure how connected it's really going to be to weather. And my humble opinion right now is not so much. The other thing that's interesting in all this We don't have this herd immunity that maybe you've mentioned. And, and with the flu, even though it's seasonal, even though it changed a little bit every year, our human existence has been used to dealing with the flu for a long time. So even without the flu vaccine, and if we didn't have flu vaccines, trust me, the deaths every year from the flu would be significantly higher than they are. and Many more people would get the flu each year than do. We still have some way that our herd, if you will, kind of knows that it's the flu and adapts to it. And again, the way it presents itself, we have this way of dealing with it. With all these shutdowns, there's no doubt. And I've, like I said, trust me, being near an epicenter in New York City, I've watched how this just devastated the local healthcare system and overwhelmed it. And those shutdown orders have helped that, and it surely has saved lives. But there's this debate, and I understand why the debate's being had of should we go for herd immunity? You know, how many people are really have gotten sick, and we just don't know? And those are questions we need to answer because we need to understand this and use this as a case of how we deal with this as a global community going forward. But there will always be this question of by doing these lockdowns and trying to minimize how many people got infected, did we do a harm to this herd community or, excuse me, herd immunity situation and actually hurt ourselves in some way? These are all debates to have and debates to have not in the context of when people are dying and we're trying to save lives, but in terms of planning and going forward as to how we think about our response. And had we dealt with things Quicker in a different way, would it have been better? If we did nothing, you know, what are the impacts of that? And that's all stuff to be talked about. But for today, right, for right now, what we know is we made shifts, and that will shift how we deal with it, which might also influence, and this is where we get to the weather connection again, might also influence what they've been talking about in terms of a second bump or a second wave right in the middle of summer and this might be why this pandemic sort of situation more closely mirrors some of these bad influenza outbreaks that didn't look to have a seasonal component this came to us in the fall winter time you know when we get all the details and we understand when the cases really started it still looks like it's going to be that time frame so did we go through this natural progression that we would have gone through anyways we may have flattened the curve that may have been truly very successful, but we may not have fundamentally changed the timeline over which this transmission took place. And we may find that weather had absolutely nothing to do with what it looked like in the end, how it went about in the end. My gut tells me we're going to see a non-weather roll. I hope we figure out some way that weather is connected and we can understand that, hey, it is safe to go outside once season changes because we know that the disease is going to be diminished. Don't think we're going to be that lucky. So as it stands right now, it seems as if there's really not a weather connection. It seems that COVID-19 and the experiences we're having would have happened no matter when it arrived, or when it's going to dissipate. Now, maybe if we all lived in places where it was 70 degrees C outside and extremely moist, I don't think there are many of those places on this planet, may not be any, that it could have an influence. But it appears that if we get a benefit from whether it's because people are able to spread out but again how we're handling it may influence that because what i've seen as an example is parks and outdoor spaces are some of the few places right now people are being allowed to go outside their home in my area and they're flooded with people so we get back to this thing that it, you don't achieve the social distancing you're trying to achieve or you know protecting the individual through separation that we see it in normal influenza season, because people aren't just going to a few parks. They're going everywhere outside. They're trying to be outside, and that can be much easier to distribute people far and wide. We'll see. Only time will tell. I think it'd be an interesting research topic, and hopefully it promotes that again, is to understand different viruses and how influential weather might be. But for now, I think the initial indications are there's really just not a connection other than it came in a season and hopefully hopefully it'll disappear not i know it's not going to disappear heavily diminish in another season now i did have someone ask me and i'm going to bring this up separately on the uv light topic because there's been talking you know we know different disinfectants kill these these viruses whether it's bleach, hydrogen peroxide, whatever it is. But there's always been this question about UV light. And you guys who know me know, I am not a fan of UV light. UV light nearly took my life. So I give it a wide berth, if you will. Oh, I'm outside. Don't get me wrong. I love to go outside just like anybody else, but I'm particularly careful. And yes, anything that's exposed to the sun or strong UV radiation for a long time is likely going to get killed off virus wise just like human wise it's detrimental it gets down to the same thing it's like with disinfectants if you you know dilute something enough it's not going to be effective if it's you know strong enough to kill things off it may also you know eat your skin off and that's really the question with uv And I've seen some of these UV things, and if you've ever looked at how they use UV, and they are effectively using it in medical situations, they're using typically, though, something called UVC. You hear about A and B all the time with sunscreens, but UVC is a different way to do it. And it's supposedly kinder, and it only hurts maybe your eyes and things. It's not as detrimental to the skin, although I would say we don't necessarily know for sure that yet. We don't know the long-term impacts. But what we do know is if you look at how they dress somebody up, if there's a human most of the time it's robots going into a room and running these lights for a long time. Humans still have to be heavily protected, right? So if the goal is to clean it off surfaces, great, right? But to clean it off your body or out of the air, no, nah, it's not going to, it doesn't really do it. It's not concentrated enough. So neat idea. I like the idea of using it to disinfect in places that we can't easily get to with our traditional disinfectants. It's a very, very interesting concept. And the machines that do it are kind of wild. You can go YouTube and look at that, but maybe something for the future. Another interesting thing, and it's something that's going to be a future topic, is the COVID impact on weather forecasting. Now, we're not going to do COVID next week. I'm going to try to stay away from COVID. Like I said, there, there are going to be a couple of things related to it. But in our new realities, in our new norms, how is this influencing our ability to give proper weather forecasts? And what are the ramifications? So keep an eye out on that for a future episode. But for now, I'm going to wrap it up. And like I said, I'd love to think there's going to be a a seasonal influence. I just hope that the thing goes away. And I know our normals aren't going to look normal for a while. But hopefully things like this podcast coming back and you being able to tune into it is something that seems more normal, can make us feel more normal. And another thing that's normal, and I had it just yesterday, I had some storms come through and it just felt so good to hear the wind and the rain. And we're supposed to get some thunderstorms today. And I know I can't wait to have those sounds and those sensations around me because those are normal to me. And the weather is a perfectly wonderful thing to remind us that the sun still rises, the sun still sets, and the world will keep moving. And let us never forget also that there's much more to weather than the weather itself.